Welcome to another Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. I created the show with the intention of empowering others to help and love themselves. Aside from weekly skin tips, you will hear me spotlight extraordinary souls from around the world who are making a difference by helping people in their own way. Together, we can all make a difference, and it starts with love, love from the hip. The first ever recorded divorce took place in the American colonies on January 5, 1643, between Anne and her husband, Dennis Clark. The earliest recorded divorce law has been traced back to 1760 B.C. during the reign of King Hammurabi of Babylon, who carved 282 laws on stone tablets, including the divorce law. In 1969, divorce was first legalized in the U.S. when the Divorce Reform Act was passed, which allowed couples to divorce after they had been separated for two years or five years if only one of them actually wanted the divorce. Under this act, a marriage could be terminated if it was irretrievably broken, and also no fault was needed to be proved. In England, it became possible to get a divorce granted by the Act of Parliament but this option was only open to the rich. In 1857, the Matrimonial Causes Act introduced divorce through court. Proceedings were held in the High Court in London and were open to the public, which enabled society to be scandalized by the personal details exposed during the process. Divorce laws were altered after every war in England. Following the First World War, the Matrimonial Causes Act of 1923 seemed to put men and women on equal footing for the first time, enabling either spouse to petition the court for a divorce based on their spouse's adultery. And in 1937, another Matrimonial Causes Act introduced three more reasons for divorce aside from adultery, which included cruelty, desertion, and incurable insanity. Simultaneously, Parliament also barred the possibility of a divorce in the first three years of marriage. The Second World War also put a strain on marriages and brought about deliberate acts committed by couples in order to have a legal reason for divorce. For example, many unhappy couples would arrange for one partner to stay at a hotel for the weekend to commit the necessary adultery to get them divorced. So as a result, in the mid-1960s, Archbishop of Canterbury demanded reform of the law so that people could obtain a divorce if they just proved their marriage was unrepairable. This gave way to the Divorce Reform Act of 1969. This act allowed divorces to be held through local county courts, and a few years later, divorce on paper came into existence. Shockingly, it wasn't until 1984 when the bar on divorcing before three years of marriage was reduced to one. In 1996, the Family Law Act was set in place and included the procedure that anyone wanting to get a divorce would have to attend an informational meeting investigating the possibility of reconciliation. If the divorce was still desired after this, then a statement of the marital breakdown had to be presented to the court not less than three months after attending the meeting. By the mid to late 19th century, the divorce rates in the U.S. outnumbered those in Europe. After big tragic events like the First World War and the Great Depression, marriages actually spiked. The long decline in marriages, however, started in the 1970s, and according to statistics, are currently at the lowest point in recorded history and are forecasted to decline even more. The UN reported that the proportion of adults ages 35 to 39 who are divorced doubled from 2% in the 1970s to 4% in the 2000s. The growing trend among younger generations is to either not get married at all or to marry much later in life. According to a survey conducted recently by Pew Research, most Americans favor allowing unmarried couples to have the same legal rights as married couples. Even sharing a child outside of a marriage has increased exponentially, with the U.S. Census Bureau reporting that the share of young adults between the age of 18 to 24 living with an unmarried partner went up from 0.1% to 9.4%. Another study conducted included same-sex marriages, and research has shown that same-sex marriages only increase immediately after marriage equality laws are introduced. For example, in the U.S., same-sex marriages expanded to all 50 states by 2015, and the largest year-on-year -year growth was observed from 2012 to 2015. 
Driving factors for fewer people choosing to marry include the rise of the use of contraceptives, where couples before married out of obligation, the increase of women in the workforce and their roles changing in a relationship, as well as new legislation conferring more rights on unmarried couples like cohabitation rights. One larger and less obvious influence is that of being a child of divorce. In fact, research has shown that compared to offspring of non-divorced parents, those of divorced parents generally have more negative attitudes towards marriage as an institution and are less optimistic about a long-lasting, healthy marriage. Every tragic event in our history seemed to set trends and have a large social influence on marriage and divorce. Black weddings or plague weddings became a popular trend during the Spanish flu and cholera, which consisted of the bride and groom getting married in a cemetery among the dead, which was thought to make them and the wedding guests more likely candidates for divine intervention. Although COVID has not brought about this trend, not yet anyway, there is a growing concern for its impact on marriages and subsequent cause for divorces worldwide, not to mention its influence on marital values and the future of marriage itself. Today on Love from the Hip, I have the pleasure of having Carol Hughes and Bruce Fredenberg on my show. Carol has a PhD in clinical psychology and is a licensed marriage and family therapist. Bruce is also a licensed marriage and family therapist and a board-certified hypnotherapist. Together, they will share their wisdom on gray divorce, how adult children are affected, how parents divorcing can prepare their adult children, and more. So stick around for this insightful show. The passing of our loved ones always proves to be very challenging, but can be met with ease when working with someone who can hold space, compassion, and especially someone who works across the veil. Allow Sakura Sutter, multidimensional channeler and intuitive medium, to be your spiritual guide with the other side. No matter if you choose to communicate with your transitioned loved ones to help you with the grieving process, or connect with spiritual, galactic, and other light beings to explore and dive in more on your spiritual path, Sakura can assist you. Not only does Sakura channel insightful messages, but she also incorporates her metaphysical tools to help you move through blocks and unprocessed emotions and feelings, providing you with a closure, relief, and new mindset to move forward. So don't hesitate to take your first step towards healing so you can start living your life once again. Remote sessions available. Contact Sakura at sakurasutter.com. That's S-A-K-U-R-A-S-U-T-T-E-R. Taking care of your body's largest organ can be difficult, but not for Astera Skincare Mist. This topical skin spray supports your skin's own natural healing defenses. Astera Skincare Mist is a light misting spray, free of parabens, alcohol, toxins, and fragrance. This all-natural topical skin spray will take the woe out of your skincare worries without clogging your pores. Irritation, inflammation, redness, post-procedure sensitivities, no problem. With Astera Skincare Mist, you can continue about your day without the skin dismay. Acne, rosacea, psoriasis, sunburns, rashes, and fungus? Don't let these skin concerns inconvenience you. Instead, let Astera Skincare Mist allow you to be happy in the skin you're in. Available at Sakura Skin and Mind. Learn more at AsteraCare.com. That's E-S-T-H-E-R-A Care.com. The veil is a line between physical and non-physical realities, between spirit and matter. Listen in to Go Beyond the Veil, an exciting new show every second Wednesday of each month from 2 to 3 p.m. In this engaging and informational jam-packed radio hour, hosts Sakura Sutter and Rory Reich interview folks who make a living crossing the veil, assisting others on their journeys of healing and self-discovery. Drawing from their own experiences, Sakura and Rory have come to realize how challenging it can be to understand it all. So they will ask the hard questions to not only reveal more truths and clarity, but in an effort to make spiritual sense. They hope by offering you, the listener, a resource where science meets spirituality that you too can finally put your skepticism to rest once and for all. So join them as they go beyond the veil. Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Facebook and subscribe and share my podcast, Love from the Hip. That's HYP, anywhere you can find podcasts. 
Today, I have the great pleasure of having Carol Hughes and Bruce Fredenberg on my show. Carol has a PhD in clinical psychology and is also a licensed marriage and family therapist. And Bruce is also a licensed marriage and family therapist and a board-certified hypnotherapist. Hey, you two. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having us, Sakura. So how did you two end up meeting? Well, we met in graduate school, our master's level graduate school, several decades ago and became friends during that process. And when we host trainings, we introduce ourselves as each other's best friend that we're not married to. (laughs) The work wife and husband. Yes. (laughs) So how did you guys come to write your book, Home Will Never Be the Same Again, A Guide for Adult Children of Gray Divorce? This book, uh, you know, I guess there's times when either the universe really wants an idea to happen or conditions are set or or both. But Carol and I have come across uh, in our practices for over 30 years with people who were suffering from how their parents did the divorce or how their divorce went. And we found that there was a really underserved, a really unserved population of people whose parents divorced when they were adults and they were treated as if there was something wrong with them for feeling badly about it. And people were amazed at how much it disrupts their lives. And one of the family law attorneys we work with, um, it came up with, well, he had a good explanation that people need to understand that adult children are stakeholders in their parents' divorce. Mm-hmm. And, and when you put it that way, it seems pretty natural. And Carol wrote a blog article about her work with adult children of divorce. And it was just a blog article for our practice group. And it was discovered by a writer for the New York Times who was researching that subject, and uh, she, I believe it was, called Carol up to see if she, uh, she could interview her, and she did. <laughs> and then, uh, because it's the New York Times, you know, it goes to a lot of places, and a few months later, a literary agent for one of the big literary houses in New York uh, read the article, and it resonated with her, and she called Carol and asked her if she would be willing to write a book on the subject. And Carol said, yes, because who's going to turn down an opportunity like that? Right. And lucky me, Carol came to me and said, would I ask me if I'd like to write the book with her? And we have lots of unfinished books in our computers and talked about writing a book together for years. We never imagined this would be the first one, but the time was right. And I didn't realize I was signing on for a four-year journey to write this book, (laughs) but now it's out and people tell us they're glad we did it. Yeah, absolutely. And it sounds meant to be. <laughs> yes. So so can you define gray divorce? Because I actually have found a lot of people don't actually know what that means. Yes, it is kind of amazing that people don't know. Uh, the term was first uh, coined in 2004 by the American Association of Retired Persons, AARP. They wrote an article about what they termed gray divorce, which was uh, a, the population between four, 45 years old and older. And um, then gray divorce was being researched by uh, some researchers at Bowling Green State University. And they were studying the U.S. Census. And much as you reported on your introduction, uh, Sakura, the divorce rate between 1990 and 2010 for this population, the gray divorce population, doubled Hmm. uh, during that time, they found. And then the divorce rate for the 65-plus-year-olds during that same time frame, 1990 to 2010, tripled. Hmm. And, And they extended their research through 2015, and they're finding exactly the same trends. And they're predicting that by 2030, this the divorce rate in this population, the gray divorce population, will triple. Okay. Now, would you also say you had mentioned earlier to me about a um, revolution? <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, the Bowling Green State University researchers coined that term when they discovered, you know, how large uh, this population was and how quickly. Uh, their divorce rates were growing. And so they coined the term gray divorce revolution. Okay. Now, can the term also be applied to marriages that have been long, like over 20 years? 
Sure, of okay. course. Mm-hmm. And so gray divorces, they have they outnumbered younger couples' divorces? Well, it's interesting that the number, the percentage of younger people divorcing has been going down while the percentage of older people's divorces have been go, uh, going up. Mm-hmm. And and part of that may be, as you had mentioned, in, I, I was really impressed by all the research you did <laughs> listening to your monologue. Thank you. Oh, you're, you're welcome. And yes, a lot of the younger people are just not div- uh, marrying or they're delaying getting married until they're old enough to to know what they're really doing. Right. And I think it takes a little time before you really get your feet under you if you're going to try and have a long-term relationship and be responsible for children. Uh, but with gray divorces, it's been going up for a variety of reasons. And one is that people are uh, well, I don't know if we're ultimately the oldest people are living longer, but people are obviously in much better shape right. as we get older than than previous generations. So people weren't just uh, too too uh, burned out to do anything, and so they're they've spent their early years maybe uh, focusing on their careers or raising children and. And they may have drifted apart for various reasons, or, or maybe they weren't even that well suited to begin with. But for whatever reason, they're now looking at each other and thinking, well, I've got, you know, two or three more decades of active life. And, and I don't know if I want to spend them with this person. And in some cases, they're really clear that they don't want to spend it with that person. Mm-hmm. And uh, you may not be surprised, but some people are when we tell them that, uh, women are the ones who instigate most inst- instigate most of the divorces because in previous generations women were more economically dependent on their husband but that doesn't tie people up as much as it used to right so now more people are free to make the choice of happiness over uh, you know just hanging in there hmm. and so loss of connection would be one of the main reasons is what you're saying oh uh, yes yeah and then middle age has seemed to move right some it used to be the 40s Right. <laughs> and now it's moved to the 50s. So and that's another reason. Yes. So what about generational upbringing? I mean, as far as it's, it would seem now if gray divorces, if there's an uptick in gray divorces, then that would be the baby boomers. How do you think that that relates? Uh, well, th- that is for the generation we're talking about, the baby boomers and older and that 45 age group, uh, 45 year olds is kind of on the cusp. Um what we know from the research in general about marriage and divorce is that the younger generations have not been that positively impressed by how the older generations handled marriage. Uh, and of course, there are a lot of divorces we know from the 70s on. Uh, the divorce rate started rising in the U.S. and some other industrialized countries. Also, the younger generations are not as keen on having participation in what they call a government institution. Uh, aside from you know the religious side of marriage, it, when people go through divorce, they very quickly learn that the laws of the jurisdiction where they live apply to them. And it's not as easy to get divorced as it is to get married. So a lot of these things, uh, the research in marriage and divorce is showing uh, has impressed and had an influence on the younger generations. Okay. And now what about religion, like religious practices? I mean, th- those seem to have been lightening up. Has that also been a reason why there's been more divorces? I, I think that that contributes to it, of course. And uh, I think it was 1969 that out 45% of the population thought divorce was morally acceptable. And now it's closer to 69, maybe even 70 or more percent. And, and those are even those statistics are, are getting a little bit old. So it is improving. Um, one attorney we know who is a, a devout Catholic uh, arranged for the bishop in Orange County to hold some masses to, uh, specifically designed for divorced people. And that's a big change for the Catholic Church. And I was pretty impressed that that uh, change came about as I watched it. Right. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) So are there a different set of challenges when it comes to a gray divorce? Um, A lot of people don't think of it overtly, (laughs) but um, adult children are not a monolithic group. Uh, There are stages of adult development. So uh, young adults, 18, 19, 20, 
who may be technically adults, but still dependent on their parents. And so if they're in college or just starting out, uh, their challenge is, uh, am I still going to get help? Uh, you know, I mm -hmm. wasn't planning on this. I how am I going to stay in college? How am I going to move my career forward? And then there are the older ones who've established a family of their own, and they have their own concerns about uh, their, their own family's economic needs. And then all of a sudden, maybe one of their parents is going to need more help, and their current spouse may or may not be on board with taking family resources uh, out of the new family and putting them into to the other spouse's family. And then there are the uh, series of nevers that Carol can enumerate in a couple of minutes because uh, that's something that hits all of the people in that generation hard. And the older adult children are kind of in a sandwich generation where they're taking care of their own children, but now their parents are older and they maybe need more help. Mm -hmm. And so they're caught in the middle and they have to also figure out how are they going to handle all these annual family celebrations thanksgiving christmas passover right fourth uh, of july whatever they are and carol maybe you could say something about the nevers because people forget that well i think that uh some of they do that does tie in with some of the challenges that are different with gray divorce because of all of what you've said about the adult children it's different if they're minor children uh, some of the challenges in addition to what you just said are that because the parents are older, uh, they often will lean on their adult children, uh, even as like thinking of them as their therapist or their dating buddy, mm. or because they're quote adults, they'll share uh, maybe sexual issues that the couple had or financial issues or other things, uh, forgetting that they're still their children. And most adult children report that they don't like these conversations and don't want to be used in this way. Whereas many, I, don't, I would like to say most parents who divorce who have minor children are more cautious about what they share with their minor children. But I think in general, there's a lot more awareness about not sharing, you know, pertinent uh, adult um, conversations and issues with minor children. Yeah. So this is another issue that is uh, very important for the adult children and their parents to avoid. So establishing those boundaries. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And now, Bruce, you had touched on this, but because they're adult children and there's no parenting plan, <laughs> how do most people tend to work out holidays and vacations? I think they work it out with despair at first because <laughs> they're coming face to face with the idea that uh, we're never going to have a whole family Thanksgiving again or a whole family Christmas or Passover or Fourth of July or summers at the cabin. And then they just have to figure out how they're going to deal with it. Some deal with it by withdrawing. Some deal with it by just make, make do with whatever's needed to be done. Uh, have one Thanksgiving with one parent, one with the other. Yeah, a lot of it depends on how well the parents are able to recover from their own pain. Because when they don't, those considerations make it really hard. If, if somebody refuses to come to uh, a wedding or a grandchild's birthday or a graduation, if the other one's going to be there, then that's going to create a problem. And oftentimes the family celebration can turn into a family trauma when one of the uh, adult aging parents makes the um, focus on them and their disruption rather than honoring the person who is uh, everybody celebrating. Right. And so that, that can be really difficult. There typically is no written parenting plan. Right. So what would you say is the percentage of people who are going through a great divorce that it's amicable and that they can be in the same room together afterwards? Sadly, uh, I, we don't know any statistics about that. Uh, great divorce is really just starting to be studied the last five to seven years. Uh, and I'll say sadly because... I think the research in divorce in general, in the United States at least, is that litigation is still the default. Mm -hmm. uh, and we call that combat divorce. Some people call it the bloodbath. So sadly, that's one of our goals in writing this book is to educate the public about more peaceful options if they're going to divorce and to think about having a what we call family-focused divorce so that you're doing the best you can to preserve the relationships that are important to everybody in the family, which includes extended family and 
community members, friends. Yeah, that's wonderful. Uh, Sakura, people are really surprised when they hear the actual numbers of people who enter this uh, demographic. In the United States alone, uh, about 300,000 or more now uh, couples in this age group divorce. So 300,000 couples is 600,000 people. And on average, they have one to two children. So there's 1.2 million people potentially in the United States alone who enter into this group. And they're really unserved. So the uh, people who entered into it last year are most likely still suffering and same with the years before. And um, it's really a phenomena around the world in the mm. developing world. Yeah, definitely. Well, those, with, numbers, those numbers Bruce shared are annual numbers. Wow. Those numbers that he just shared. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> well, with that, we're going to take a quick break, but stay tuned for the Weekly Skinny up next. On this Weekly Skinny, I would like to talk about a study conducted by the University of California, San Francisco, on how repairing the skin can actually reduce inflam aging factors linked to chronic disease. Inflam aging is a new word used to describe the low-level inflammation we experience as we age. This age-related inflammation has been tied to serious chronic diseases such as diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and even Alzheimer's. Dermatologists at UCSF have discovered that inflammation must come from an organ large enough that minor inflammation can affect the whole body, and skin just so happens to be the largest organ. Minor inflammation that occurs in the skin could be anything from a skin rash to dryness. According to dermatologists, our skin starts to deteriorate at age 50, with changes in skin hydration, pH, and even the permeability of the skin barrier starts to break down. The function of the skin barrier is to keep out bacteria and harmful pathogens while keeping in water. These changes and the wearing down of our barrier causes the skin to release what's called inflammatory cytokines, Cytokines are proteins, peptides, or glycoproteins that are secreted by specific cells of the immune system that mediate and regulate immunity and inflammation. Because the skin barrier in aging skin cannot be repaired so easily, cytokines enter into the bloodstream contributing to systemic inflammation and disease. Dr. Teresa Morrow, a professor of dermatology at UCSF, said the last five-year studies of psoriasis and dermatitis have shown that skin inflammation from these diseases likely increase the risk of heart disease and that decreasing inflammation simply by treating the skin dysfunction seen in aging could have profound health effects. So how does one properly treat aging skin? A recent study published in the Journal of European Academy of Dermatology and Venerology tested 33 adults ages 58 to 95 who applied a cream chosen by dermatologists all over their bodies twice a day for 30 days. After one month, researchers measured blood levels of three cytokines that all contribute to age-related inflammatory disease. The results showed that using the cream all over the body reduced the amount of all three cytokines so much so that their levels were equivalent to that of people in their 30s. The cream also improved skin hydration, lowered pH, and repaired the permeability barrier. This study proved that rejuvenating the skin can reverse inflam aging. The next study scientists plan on conducting with this newfound knowledge is to see whether or not using this cream all over the body will prevent the development of age-related inflammatory diseases. If so, then it will be advised to apply an effective skin barrier cream daily for the rest of one's life after the age of 50. If you are looking to start boosting up your skin's barrier and reduce chance of inflammaging, Sakura Skin and Mind can help you. Go to sakuraskinandmind.com. Family owned since 1986, Stargazers, a unique metaphysical bookshop, offers a large selection of precious gems, jewelry, candles, sage, shamanic drums and rattles, oracle cards, incense, and more. Plus, you can find a variety of healing goodness from some of the best healers under one roof, such as tarot and oracle card readings, spiritual response therapy, data healing, and energy work. Located in Bellevue at 12727 Northrop Way, Suite 10, Stargazers provides a foundation for healing, ample wisdom, and resources for starting or continuing your spiritual journey. Stargazers, making sense of the stars and everything esoteric. 
For more information and store hours, go to stargazersbooks.com. That's S-T-A-R-G-A-Z-E-R-S books.com or call 425-885-7289. That's 425-885-7289. Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. Today, I have the wonderful pleasure of having Carol Hughes and Bruce Fredenberg on my show. Carol has a PhD in clinical psychology and is also a licensed marriage and family therapist. Bruce is also a licensed marriage and family therapist and a board-certified hypnotherapist. So I wanted to ask you both, how does illness play into gray divorce? There are, is, are not a lot of studies on it that we're aware of, but we have encountered the problem that it does so impose on the adult children if one of the divorcing parents is the caregiver for the other parent Mm -hmm. because somebody's going to have to take over those chores and it's really wearing for for caregivers and 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 i've been in that situation when my wife's mother had a stroke and um and so I, i saw how much it wore my wife out especially and so it's it's not surprising that it that it might affect the divorce rate that people feel like they're betraying but at the same time it, it can be just too hard to to bear right but if they don't spend time helping the adult children make the transition themselves like connecting them up with the medical people the routines whatever else is needed uh, then that's going to make it almost impossible for the successor caregiver to do a great job and and nobody really prepares for that i mean how would you prepare for that right it's really hard and you have your their own children to care for yes yes so, anything to add to that carol no, I just, there's a lot of research on the stress of caregivers and mm-hmm. what we know about anytime people are undergoing a lot of stress, uh, the divorce rate can spike. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how can divorcing older parents prepare their adult children? Right. Well, certainly the best thing to do is, the best thing to do would be if both parents can be on the same page. And we encourage parents to create a divorce story. If they're able to, we help them with that if needed. And what they have in the divorce story that they're eventually going to share with their adult children is uh, how they are planning to divorce and what their intentions are. For example, we're not going to have a bloodbath. We're going to stay family focused. We're going to stay as friendly as possible. This is the ideal, of course. Mm -hmm. Uh, We want to be able to be in the same room without you and your children, if their children have children as well, be their grandchildren, the parents divorcing grandchildren, and that we want to preserve the concept of family as much as we can and be able to celebrate holidays and special occasions together. And we don't expect you to pick a good guy parent, bad guy parent, things like that. Mm-hmm. And, and then to prepare a time when, and nowadays so many families are scattered all over, you know, the countries, uh, but to at least try to schedule a Zoom call, not don't text them, don't email them, but try to do it with the siblings together mm-hmm. so that you reinforce that the sibling unit can be a a support system for each other and that they hear the parents intention that uh, they don't expect people to line up on sides, which is so very common in divorce. Right. And, and then tell them what's going to stay the same that you've decided to end the marriage, that it's a mutual decision, even if there was an affair or something like that, because again, adult children don't want to hear those kind of things any more than minor children do and that you've decided to end the marriage and these are the things that are going to stay the same as bruce mentioned earlier uh, if they're in college or you know some kind of training uh, 18 to 25 or 30 year olds will still be able to help you financially or then say what won't stay the same and that might be the same comment that we are not going to be able to help you and we know in that younger adult uh, age group, a lot of the young people do have to drop out of college or their training, post high school training, because the parents can't afford it mm-hmm. because two households are more expensive than, than one. And tell them that you understand as their parents that this may come as a shock to them 
whatever they're feeling is appropriate and you're not going to try to talk them out of what they're feeling and experiencing Mm -hmm. because that's very, that's more common than not is that we expect the adult children to just roll with it. So, and that sounds so much better a divorce story than a parenting plan or a child support order. (laughs) Right. So, and at the point of the divorce story, would you have already moved through the anger and the resentment and the guilt through therapy? Yes. Yes. Or, or divorce coaching. We do that in uh, mediation and collaborative divorce processes. So, um, or sometimes we're people's therapists and we're helping them that way. But yeah, they definitely need to do their work ahead of time because anger and resentment are often there, you know, in the beginning stages of divorce. Yeah. Okay. And And so go ahead, Bruce. One of the most important, maybe the most important decisions on people make after they decide to divorce is what type of divorce process they want to take. As Carol mentioned earlier, you know, we refer to litigation as combat divorce. And when people do that, it's really hard to repair the relationships going forward because Mm -hmm. it's really a search for win. And after you've uh, said horrible things about somebody and and hired somebody to attack them, uh, it's really hard uh, for people to recover from that. And if they have adult children who's been dragged into the fray, uh, that's really difficult too. So one of the things we advise people to do is at least investigate the non-adversarial forms of divorce such as collaborative divorce or yeah. uh, mediation or team mediation divorce or cooperative divorce and and there are a number of outstanding divorce professionals in, in your area that uh, do that for people and it'd be worth investigating yeah absolutely i would agree with that i wish i had gone that route <laughs> mm-hmm. so so what advice do you have for adult children um that are you know going through this well I would think that the first thing is to let them know that their feelings of loss and confusion or anger are normal because they get uh, subject. Well, we have a cultural myth, as Carol had mentioned earlier, that they're just supposed to bounce from it. Yeah, don't worry about it. You're lucky it didn't happen when you were a kid. So often they will feel like there's something wrong with them and they're isolated. They don't have anybody who's had this experience to share with them. It's it's normal. It's, It's like a death. And nobody would be surprised if they were having a hard time if a parent died. And this, for them, is like the end of their family. Plus, whatever plans or or traditions that they're used to are gone. And so that would be the first thing. And then, as Carol said, uh, to just listen to them. Let them know you heard them. Don't try to talk them out of being unhappy. And that can help with the with the healing and it's the things Carol talked about uh, letting the kids know and, and they are still kids you know when you look at your parents you're, you still see them as parents and so let them know that you're fine with them having good relationships with both of them that they don't have to choose up sides and uh, it be, can be a boundary issue that families need to discuss uh, both the nuclear family and the extended family because who really has a right tell a child what relationship they're allowed to have with their own other parent. Right. And the relationship is going to be unique and it's going to be different than the relationships with the, that the divorcing parents have with each other. So the kids shouldn't be expected to divorce their parents just because one of their parents is divorced. You know, the parents have decided to divorce. Right. Exactly. So just as the same as you encourage um, the parents who are divorcing to validate their adult children's feelings, would you also encourage the adult children to honor and respect maybe the boundaries that they have in place right away as far as yes. the parents go? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Definitely. In fact, the, the boundaries are so very important, Sakura, that the little bit of research that there is about adult children of gray divorce, this was from ages 18 to 54, I think it was, uh, indicated that about half of the adult children during in this age range report negative emotions about their parents' divorce. And some of them become estranged because the parents will not respect their boundaries and are trying to tell them how to feel and what to do. But the good news with that research is that within about five years, some 10 years, those adult children who had become estranged reached out to their parents and encouraged them to let's go to counseling together or they resolved their relationship differences on their own or with clergy. 
and uh, reunited. So that's a testament to the strength of the attachment bonds that parents and children have at all ages. Hmm. That's really great. That's really, really great. Well, with that, we're going to take another break, but everyone stick around for more Love from the Hip. The passing of our loved ones always proves to be very challenging, but can be met with ease when working with someone who can hold space, compassion, and especially someone who works across the veil. Allow Sakura Sutter, multidimensional channeler and intuitive medium, to be your spiritual guide with the other side. No matter if you choose to communicate with your transitioned loved ones to help you with the grieving process, or connect with spiritual, galactic, and other light beings to explore and dive in more on your spiritual path, Sakura can assist you. Not only does Sakura channel insightful messages, but she also incorporates her metaphysical tools to help you move through blocks and unprocessed emotions and feelings, providing you with a closure, relief, and new mindset to move forward. So don't hesitate to take your first step towards healing so you can start living your life once again. Remote sessions available. Contact Sakura at sakurasutter.com. That's S-A-K-U-R-A-S-U-T-T-E-R. Hypnotherapy helps you discover and explore deep, sustainable life changes. Let Sakura guide your communication with your unconscious mind. Rid yourself of negative behaviors, fears, pains, and emotions. Weight loss, smoking, childhood drama, chronic pain, and much more can be addressed. Begin healing now. Learn more. SakuraSkinAndMind.com S-A-K-U-R-A SkinAndMind.com Bring out the healthy way of thinking you didn't know you had. Family owned since 1986, Stargazers, a unique metaphysical bookshop, offers a large selection of precious gems, jewelry, candles, sage, shamanic drums and rattles, oracle cards, incense, and more. Plus, you can find a variety of healing goodness from some of the best healers under one roof, such as tarot and oracle card readings, spiritual response therapy, data healing, and energy work. Located in Bellevue at 12727 Northrop Way, Suite 10, Stargazers provides a foundation for healing, ample wisdom, and resources for starting or continuing your spiritual journey. Stargazers, making sense of the stars and everything esoteric. For more information and store hours, go to stargazersbooks.com. That's S-T-A-R-G-A-Z-E-R-S books.com. Or call 425-885-7289. That's 425-885-7289. Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. If you are just joining us, today I have the great pleasure of having Carol Hughes and Bruce Fredenberg on my show. Carol has a PhD in clinical psychology and is also a licensed marriage and family therapist. Bruce is also a licensed marriage and family therapist and a board-certified hypnotherapist. All right, guys, so let's chat about a gray divorce everybody here seems to definitely be talking about right now, that of Bill and Melinda. Why do you suppose their marriage has fallen apart after so many years? Well... First, we must disclaim that we do not know them. So we're just talking about this in generalities. Certainly, they fall into the gray divorce population uh, in their ages, and their children fall into the young adult uh, gray divorce um, adult children. Their ages are 18 to 25. And what we do know is that um, the empty nesters is one reason that People are divorcing, and um, one of them, I think, mentioned uh, that they were had been waiting until their last child uh, turned 18. So in their words, that's one of the issues that uh, they brought up. And also that they, they also said that they felt like they couldn't, they could no longer grow together. And that's very common, what we know in the research with gray divorce that people who've been married for 20, 30, sometimes 40 years have grown apart, um, perhaps even felt like they were living parallel lives and uh, just didn't feel like they had that much in common anymore. Mm. Uh, Bruce, do you want to add something to that? Uh, well, I was I was thinking of what you were said about parallel lives. It's, uh, you know, about Bill Gates, uh, you know, even though I don't know him, I'm aware that he built this giant company that's in... <laughs> And so, you know, that was an amazing accomplishment. And I know that Melinda is a, you know, is a great student and an astute businesswoman. And she's got her own talent and really brilliant person. But they had different roles. Bill being the, the head of this 
gigantic company and Melinda having her projects. They may have been that they just spent a lot of their time working on the things uh, the other, I mean, they might've worked on the kids together, but they may have had different interests, including their charities. And, and that can create a sense of, uh, you know, I, I know you, but I'm not really that mm. close to you anymore. Right. Like a wedge. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Or and- at least a tenuous, you know, connection. Yeah. And what do you feel about, you know, I know they both have had so many accomplishments, but, you know, Bill, obviously a lot more than Melinda. But what would you say as far as that goes? Is is it also harder in that to be in the limelight or in the shadow, if you will, of your partner? Yes. Go ahead, Bruce. Yeah, I I, I could see that. Uh, I I also think that, uh, well, again, this is only what I read. I don't know them, but it's my sense from from public information that Melinda was the original driving force of their charitable organizations. And and that's had a huge impact on the world. But right. but again, it was a different focus for each of them, I think, at least. At, and as time went on, um, they may have just been doing different parts of it and, and yeah. you know, still been very accomplished people. But uh, one of the things that happens is when people get absorbed in their own activities and don't do things that they both like to do together enough, uh, that the University of Washington, you uh, dubbed to the local hub there, <laughs> uh, there, there's John Gottman, the researcher, and, and one of the things he found out in a marriage is that the, the one thing you can quantify to predict who's going to get divorced is when the ratio of positive to negative interactions falls below five to one. And that can just be a, a negative thought about the person, an unresolved argument. It can be a big deal. It can be a little deal. But if it's negative, for each one of those, you have to counterbalance it with five positive or probably six or seven in a marriage and so when people say we got along most of the time 80 percent most of the time but it's not four to one i mean it's only four to one it's not five to one and so if they weren't doing things that they both like to do together just for fun there's always those family business and in their case business business conversations to have and those aren't always fun so there's right. more opportunities for negative interactions and fewer for positive for some people right okay and, and Sakura, i wanted to add one more thing about the uh being feeling overshadowed uh it is very common in marriages no matter uh if uh, there's only one breadwinner there are two breadwinners they're both professionals if one of the spouses feels overshadowed or in the shadows uh, less powerful than the other spouse, eventually uh, it's very common that the less powerful spouse, one who feels less powerful, let's say, really seizes the opportunity at just when the timing feels right and leaves the marriage to become more empowered. Mm-hmm. So uh, you mentioned that, and it, it, that could be an issue too with uh, the Gates. Yeah, I could see but that. They've done such a great job compared to many uh, high-profile couples of keeping their family business in the family. So again, we're just speculating based on the generalities we've seen with other couples in this demographic. Sure, definitely. And so what advice might you share for their children? I would say a lot of the same advice that we gave generically earlier is that, uh, as Bruce mentioned, that what you're feeling is natural, it's expected. Uh, There are a lot of losses that accompany uh, a parent when parents of many many decades divorcing. The family, the family they grew up in as they knew it is going to be gone. And I don't know if they're going to try to stay in a more of a family focused process where, as I mentioned earlier, having holidays and some celebrations and so forth together uh, and down the road if they're grandchildren or if this really will be a split so that the kids will have to pick, you know, for some of these holidays and so forth. Um, And boundary setting, as we said earlier, is important. Uh, no matter who your parents are, right, is that you're, you know, what you're feeling and experiencing is valid. Mm-hmm. And uh, believe that because our culture still doesn't say that that's true. Okay. Yeah. Well, Sakura, sure. in our book, we've spent a lot of time uh, not just outlining the problem, but every chapter has ideas on how people can avoid these problems. Mm-hmm. And also, we have a whole chapter on hope and healing. 
uh, because we found it was so important. So I would say any couple in this demographic will probably, them or their children will, at least the feedback we've had from other divorce professionals is they were really surprised at the amount of information we were able to give them on uh, things they never thought of, even though they've been helping couples for years and, and you know ways that they can get through this and spare their family from the worst aspects of divorce. Yeah. Wonderful. And so we all know that COVID has impacted or will impact divorce. So what is what what is it that you hope for the future of marriage and marital values? Oh, that's a really big question. <laughs> <laughs> I know. With one liner, please. <laughs> yes, right, right, right. Um, well, uh, the, the humans are social beings and we do need uh, partnerships to help us. Uh, and support us as part of our social network. Um, I hope for the future of marriage and marital values that uh, our country can sort out uh, and listen to all people uh, um, and uh, of all walks of life and help them feel empowered to make the best decisions that they can for themselves individually and as couples, whether married or in partnership. Terrific. And I'd like to add also, when in doubt, choose kindness. Mm. Because mm. everybody in the families is in, in probably having trouble and struggling with this. Yeah. And in most families, they've never been through it before. Yeah. So there's going to be mistakes. And these people are still going to be your other family members. So, uh, yeah, you choose can't kindness. go wrong with kindness if you're if you're stuck. That's great. Well, how can my listeners learn more about you both and find your book? Uh, the book is available on Amazon in uh, Kindle, um, audiobook, and hardback, which is how the publisher published it, and also on the publisher's website, which is Roland Littlefield, and it's available by an ebook as well on the publisher's website. And uh, I have two websites, so you can email me through those. One is divorcepeacemaking.com, and the other is drcarolhughes.com. And Bruce? Bruce? And, and I can be found on uh, my website on psychology today under Bruce R. Fredenberg. Great. And I have also can be found if you go to the website of Orange County, of Orange County or Collaborative Divorce Solutions, Orange County CDSOC.com. And if you click on find a professional, you'll find Carol and me there. Great. Well, thank you again for both of you being here today. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome. Thank you so <laughs> much for you. having us. Thanks. It was great. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you to Eric, my outstanding producer, you the listener. You can find me at sakurasetter.com. Tune in next Wednesday for another episode of Go Beyond the Veil. Stay kind out there. Stay true to you. And don't forget, make self-love contagious. Go ahead. I dare ya. A health crisis is one of the most challenging situations we will experience in our lifetime. It leaves us frightened, confused, and asking, why did this happen to me? Transformational coach Rory Reich experienced his healing crisis when the life he had so carefully constructed came crumbling down around him. The universe had offered him a challenge. He chose to accept it and to rediscover who he was before it was too late. In his book, Transform Yourself Through Disease, Rory shares his personal journey alongside eight practical steps to help those who are stuck realize their self-impairing beliefs and discover ways of transforming them so they can reclaim their health and create the life of their dreams. Don't let your health crisis define you. Take the next step and transform yourself today. For a free life coaching consultation, contact Rory at RoryReich.com. That's R-O-R-Y-R-E-I-C-H dot com.